Thank you for pulling into the Hope Station. I am your host, Diane Bells. The Hope Station is a place to hear amazing interviews, great transformational stories, and learn about the power of faith and hope to change your life. A podcast that proves living purposefully is possible. Are you ready for your own transformational story? Do you want to turn a new chapter in your life or career? There's hope. Schedule a free consult call with me to stop feeling hopeless and gain the hope you need to have the life you deserve. Information of how to schedule that appointment is in the show notes. You can also connect with me through my website, Diane Bells, uh, D-I-A-N-E-B-E-L-Z.com. Are you ready for another great interview? So hello and welcome to the Hope Station podcast. I'm your host, Diane Bells, and today my guest is Terry Travers. And she has a place in my heart because not only was I a teenager who didn't want to go to school, but I know a few teenagers in my life now who don't. So Terry is the CEO and founder of a, what would we call this? The Astrolabe is a homeschooling alternative or a process. And she works with parents and teens, helping them both be successful. So I love it when she's saying she breaks free of the traditional mindset and really wants to um, teach us how to reconnect with our teens. So Terry, thank you for being here. I think this is such a timely conversation, just with summer quickly approaching and some of the things that you're doing, but also kids are struggling. They're bored to death. You can just see it. They're so isolated. There's, I don't remember seeing teens so low energy in my <laughs> Entire life, I remember having a little bit more spunk. Maybe I have more spunk with them, and I'm I'm pretty old. So thanks for joining us, and tell us a little bit about your journey, how this whole school started, why it started, and how you're helping parents and teens to really work better together. Great, thank you, Diana. So um, I'm so happy to be here, and um, it is it is like school anxiety, depression, um, all of that is, is more of an epidemic these days. You're, you know, it, you're, you're right. It's, it's, it's very systemic. Um, I got started in this journey years and years and years ago. I have, um, a daughter who is, um, gifted and I mean, I think they would call her, um, uh, what did they call? There was a term gifted with disabilities or something. It turns out that she's on the spectrum uh, that we we discovered that much later because girls are are not diagnosed like boys are and they don't they don't okay. exhibit the same symptoms. But she was very bright, very energetic, started reading really early, super, super early, um, always learning, just just loved learning. Um, friends of ours encouraged us to put her in a private school preschool program when she was little, and it was wonderful for her. She thrived in that program. Unfortunately, moving into kindergarten, the price was so much higher. Uh, I put her in public school. But as we approached the public school year, her uncle um, had an aneurysm, and it took him a month of of um, failing to actually pass. And we spent all that time at the beginning of the school year with my sister. This was somebody that we all dearly loved, including my little girl who was, you know, five at the time. Um, 
And so we put her into school a little like a month late. And by the time we did, there was just like the leftover classroom. So we couldn't test her and get her in a class that was like appropriate for her levels. Mm-hmm. And um, she was in a class where they had to hire a teacher because they had some extra students that weren't assigned to a classroom yet. And they just threw her in there. And I remember the first day of school, the the admin lady was like, well, it's a shame she started late because they've already co- colored covered their um, letters and colors. And I'm like, like as if they're never going to talk about letters and colors again for the rest of the year. Like I was just astounded. Like, what does that mean? But this child was already doing letters and colors in two languages. So it, it didn't matter. Um, So needless to say, she was really bored. She was very, very stressed. She was dumbing down her work because the other kids were um, upset that she could do things that they couldn't. Um, She was really, really overprepared for public school kindergarten. And she started acting out. So as soon as I picked her up, she would have meltdowns, you know, but she was she would behave all day and she would be polite. But she would have a meltdown as soon as we got in the car at the end of the day. And uh, working with the principal, they're like, oh, well, let's see how she does on her beginning of the year test. And, and you know, if she scores high enough, we'll put her in a gifted class. And then the principal got fired or something. And we had another principal. And we went through the whole thing. She tested really well. She tested higher than kids test at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So I was like, great, we got the test results. Obviously, it shows that she's like at a first grade level, not a kindergarten level. And, um, you know, can we do something? No, no. Let, you know, well, you know, there was like excuses and weirdness. And then that principal disappeared. And then like in three months, three principals. And then the next principal literally told me that I was the problem, that she observed this, you know, the kid during the day and she was not stressed, not acting out, um, that obviously since she was acting out when she got home, that I was the problem. And if I was just a better parent, I wouldn't have these issues. So it was around Christmas time. We had Christmas break. We never went back. Um, the kid was so stressed. So I thought, oh, homeschool. And this so is I, at a little, at a young age. At This was at five, old, at five. And then I got the letter. I got a letter from the school. That was kind of like the last straw. I got a letter because my my father fell ill. We went to Florida for a week. And I got the, the letter that she'd missed, you know, too many days because she started so late to begin with, that she'd missed too many late days and they were going to take me to court. And so I wrote back and I said, kindly review your the legal process because children aren't legally be required to be in school in Virginia until six. And she was only five and I never heard from them again. They, you know, but I just pulled her out. So I homeschooled her, but then I got a job and I was like, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do with this child? I cannot put her back in the public school. Right. So I put her in that private school that we are started with that she thrived in and was doing so well. And um, it did not go well. It did not go well. So all of everything was undone. She was so miserable from her school experience. And and I had no idea. I did not know what grieving looks like for a five-year-old. And she was grieving her uncle. So there was Mm. issues. 
and she like had she did really well academically but not very well socially she was angry at this you know by now she's like grieving and she's angry and things aren't working out and then the kindergarten teacher passed all of the negative stuff to the first grade teacher so in school in public and in private the schools pass the information this kid and it's, it's always the negative stuff. It's not like, hey, this kid does really well here. It's like, hey, this kid's got problems here. Or you're going to have to watch this one. So this kind of stuff goes with the kid from class to class to class. Wow. So first grade was not great. And then second grade. So the kid's excelling academically. Like she's got E, 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 right? Except for like social because she's still got anger and the anger is getting worse. And um, at the end of second grade, the teacher pulled me aside and she's like, um, and she, she didn't pull me aside. We went in for the parent teacher conference. There's a chair outside where the kids can sit. Right. She's like, no, no, she needs to come in and hear this too. I get in there and she literally tells me in front of my child that she's doomed to fail and she's going to hold her back. And I'm like, what? She's got like perfect scores. And she's like, yeah, but she's a daydreamer. She's always looking out the window. She's not paying attention. I'm like, but she's scoring 100% on her test, right? And she's like, yes, but she's going to be useless if she can't get the daydreaming. Like, tells this in front of my child. Oh, my gosh. I was was so done. I was so done. I was done. And I, I was like, okay, I'm homeschooling. This is it. So I started homeschooling. And my idea of homeschooling is like a lot of people's. It's like, I'm going to like, you buy the curriculum, you set up the schedule, we're going to get up, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to study this, we're going to study that. And part of the problem with school is the curriculum, like nowhere else in the world, right, is the curriculum all chopped up into different stovepipe subjects that are completely out of context with anything a child ever does in real life. Let's just go back a little bit when you're looking at this child. And why would a teacher feel that daydreaming is an awful thing for any child to do? And I want to think from your perspective, which I was told the same thing. Like it's you're looking out the a, window, you you you, right. you exit the room like mentally because you're like, I can't do this anymore. And at the right. young age, but for these teachers, and I've heard it time and time again, that I don't think they're evil people, but they speak into a child's life like they can predict the future right that that lingers you know when someone hears that they'll never be smart enough or good enough or social enough or you know that they have these issues that they can't surmount that is everything against anything that a life coach a career coach would ever speak into someone's life so how was her reaction to that information did she react to it um, she, she was mad. I was, I was really mad. Um, she was hurt. She was really hurt, but she didn't like that teacher. There was a lot of control issues there. And this was a, what had been labeled a strong-willed child. Um, as a matter of fact, later on, um, she had another, um, connection with school and they labeled her ODD, oppositional defiance disorder, um, which is which is interesting, but that's what they do. So in the school system, public or private, it's not much different. They, you know, you end up getting labels. 
Yeah, you're mm -hmm. and and all of the labels are just designed to say, look, you don't fit in the box, so you're broken. So our kids are told from an early age, you you don't measure up. You know, you're not reading at the right level. You're not doing math at the right level. You're looking out the window too much. You're daydreaming. How are you going to amount to anything? Oh, you're, you've got this. You've got that. You've got this disability. You're, we're going to have to get. So by the time they get to high school now, they got IEPs that are like, you know, pages long. And none of that, you know, when I get students, when they come into my program, so I have parents who are like, um, well, we've got an IEP. I said, I'm not interested. I do not want to know what the public school said is wrong with your child because that's not where we start. We start with the strengths. I'm going to watch them. I'm going to see what their strengths are because, you know, by the time they graduate, they have no self-confidence. They have no self-esteem. They've actually, there was an article that just came out recently that um, shows a direct correlation between teen suicides and school. And, you know, it's it's insane. The bullying, the anxiety, the curriculum is boring and out of context. And you've got kids now that have cell phones and global connectivity, right? Everything's right. in context. So the more information that they're exposed to in context and in the real world, the less likely they're going to be entranced by taking a biology class or a you know, reading something out of a textbook that's not in context. Explain to me what you mean by out of context. So I, I get the silos, and that always sometimes hurts my head, that life right. isn't siloed. Well, you know? we, we chopped, you know, in, in both the education and the medical system, we have chopped everything into different departments, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got English class and you've got biology class, like 16 different biology classes, physics class, um, you know, math classes. Kids hate math, right? But do they hate math? No, they hate that. They hate algebra. Kids do algebra all the time. So I started out, I'll, I'll tell you how I started. So I, I ended up homeschooling my daughter with curriculum and we had the same kind of meltdowns that I used to get after school because she was frustrated all day at school, but taught to be nice, right? So we started biting heads. We started clashing. Things got ugly and got uglier and uglier and uglier and uglier. She would sit at a table and not do anything just fight it all day long, get it done in five minutes. I'd be like, why couldn't you just do that like four hours ago? And you'd had the whole day to play. So it, it just, we clashed and clashed and clashed until the time she got to be early teen, we were like, you know, fighting all the time, always arguing. And I see this all the time, parents fighting with their children. 90% of it's about school. Why didn't you do your homework? Why, you know, why, you know, why, why, why? Right. And, um, so I got, um, I was doing, I, I had my own business. I had a graphic design and business and I was doing a lot of work with Noah. I told you I have an ocean science background. I love ocean okay. sciences. Um, so I was working with the National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration um, out of DC and they wanted me for a new position and I needed to be up there. And I'm like, guys, it's too long a commute. So we worked out three days a week and it was a, um, three hours each way commute. So on those days, oh my gosh. I was literally gone from early in the morning until late at night. 
My dad's like, oh, I'll take care of the kids. I'll homeschool them. It was only a six month thing. I thought, okay, okay, we got this. So dad's sleeping on the couch, right? While one's playing Legos and one's watching manga all day. So um, reading manga and watching anime. So nothing, nothing happened for six months. And my job got extended. And for over a year, nothing happened. Because on the days that I was home, I had still had to work. And I was too tired to work and to do all of it. And so... For a year, and and I was panicking. I'm like, oh my gosh, my kids are going to be behind. That's the other thing we're taught. If your kid's not reading by eight, and they're not doing this by 10, and they're not doing that by 12, they're behind. There's no behind. One of the biggest lessons I've learned, there's no behind. So, (laughs) you know, as the year progressed, they started asking questions. They started like little sparks of interest, things tweak their interest. So my son was building, he was little, he was building Legos and he got in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Dune and they're watching that movie would pop up. And then, you know, next thing I know, he's a philosopher. That's what he is to this day. Um, and the other one started lear- downloaded Duolingo, started list- um, learning Japanese, studying Japanese culture, started asking all kinds of questions and now she's getting an international um I can't remember the name of it she's working on a degree in international studies and it's so up her alley like it's everything but back then she wanted to um start a business and we're like you know what can a 12 year old do right so she found out because we were in we had them in 4-H she found out through her 4-H GOAT club leader that she could get a youth loan through um, the USDA and start a GOAT club business. She put together all the paperwork, did the spreadsheet, did the finance G-O-A-T. plan. GOAT. GOAT. Yeah, man. Yeah, GOATs. <laughs> went, to the, went to the USDA office with all of her stuff. I waited in the car because I didn't want to interfere with her process. Came out with a $5,000 check, started her business. (laughs) She learned, she studied genetics. She learned about breeding and genetics and and herbal treatments for things that the um, medicines weren't working for anymore. And I mean, just, it was amazing. And so I was like, wait a second, look what's happening. When you saw this awful year with the grandpa was the kids were going to be further behind, as you said. And then you realize that they they wanted to learn. When you stop forcing them to learn things they don't want to learn, and that's not in context, it's not tied together. So then I started offering, I started doing field trips and I started like everything I got my kids involved in, I would put it out to the homeschool community. Hey, my kid wants to go do this. Does anybody else want to come? And pretty soon I was always going places with a um, suburban load of kids and um, then I started getting comments from parents. Hey, you know, you're really good at this. Can you homeschool my kid? <laughs> and in Virginia, you can't homeschool somebody else's kid. It's not legal. But you know what you can do in Virginia that's easier than anything else? Start a private school. So I started a farm-based, because we had a farm. I started a farm-based private school for, high, for, for our teens. And to give you an example of out-of-context stuff, 
Um, one kid I had for three years on my program, COVID shut us down. And so I've pivoted to this online um, format, which actually I can help a lot more kids with than just the 10 right. or 20 on the farm. But so I had one kid, he'd been in my program for three years and he was doing really well. And our program was farm-based. It was all science and math, literally all science, all math. And uh, we did a lot of stuff with the Virginia State University. We're always down there with the kids in their programs. And I mean, they even got continuing education credits for some of the stuff they were doing. But we're driving somewhere and and I had a couple of new students and they, they were all sitting in the back. I just let them talk and I don't usually interrupt, but they were all sitting in the back talking about subjects they hated in school because these kids had just come out of the public school. So the one that I've had for a while, Judson, He's like, oh, man, they were talking about their the worst subject. He's like, oh, I hate science. I was like, what? Judson, what do you mean you hate science? You do science here every single day. Science and algebra. I mean, there's so much math and science involved on a farm and raising goats and dealing with horses, all of it. And he goes, yeah, yeah, no. I said, you don't like that? And he goes, no, I love it. I'm like, okay, so what do you mean you don't like science? And he goes, well, when I was in school with the textbook and you just read it and then you take a test, it science sucks. And I'm like, you know, if they want to know why we're falling in our STEM levels. Right. From, you know, across the world, it's because kids think that science is this fat textbook and one or two experiments to try to keep them interested in a classroom and it's just reading and taking tests. They don't, they don't get into the science. Or the application of it, of it and knowing that yeah. it is worthwhile. And that's what I hear right. my granddaughter said. I don't see how I'm going to use this. There's no, like, there's no connection and context as we're saying. Why am I learning this? What's it for? Yeah. What's it for? And when it does feel, right. like you said, like a silo and not like you're, you're, let's put all these pieces together and look what you have. Right. They're not, they're not getting that opportunity. So how, you know, with the, the kids being able to, to get hands on, to learn science, to learn algebra, educate me a little bit. How are they learning math on a farm? Like I can get the okay. science part of it. So, <laughs> well, we're that? not even, well, math, I mean, math is involved in everything. So if you need to add supplements into your soil because your soil is um, low on stuff, well, you got all the science and chemistry involved in the soil management. Um, and then, you know, it's all about math. So if you've got so many acres, well, how do you know how many acres you've got? You've got to figure out areas and calculate acreage. You got to calculate how much stuff you've got to put down on your soils to make it work. You've got to calculate um, the weight of a goat versus how much dewormer it needs or how much of the other medicines it needs. There's there is math every single day. Like if you're putting your fence post in, they got to be eight foot up. You know, eight foot. Where are you going to put your gate? You know, everything is math. Everything, and it's so all what. What flips the switch for them when they can actually say that there's a reason behind what they're learning or did they not, or did they just learn it through application? Doing the worst thing I could do, look for the parents. I was, um, I was trying to create 
um, something that the parents recognized for school. So for weekly reporting, I was breaking down their tasks into subjects. So I was backwards engineering it. I was like, okay, here's okay. all the things that they're going to do. And here's where that falls in the subjects. And I could even tie it to the standards of learning for the state. But once the kids saw that, they stopped doing once I put it in a format, this is, you know, this is what we're going to be doing this week. They completely lost interest. And I thought, well, this is really interesting. So I was doing some social experiments on them while I was working because I'm like, why did they quit? Why? You know, they're just sitting around playing games now because that's the other thing. I didn't force them. It's not, you know, in my school program, I wasn't going to be like, hmm, you got to go do this um, because they're not learning. If a kid has to be forced to do something, they're not going to learn it. You know, some of them that are good at test taking may learn enough to do good on a test, but they're not going to remember it five minutes later. And that's not right. the point. That's not learning. No, education's so, about knowledge, about gaining wisdom and perspective, and right. not about test yep. taking. So everything shut down at the farm school when I did that. And it took me a little while to figure out what was going wrong. And what happened was, as soon as I called what they were doing, algebra, or chemistry or science as soon as i started putting those labels on it they hated it oh we hate that stuff we're not going to do that so when i undid all that and i just you know and i went back to the other way they they got back into it i was like that is really interesting but the quickest way to shut down a kid Unless, you know, unless you're that weird kid that, not weird, you know, there's kids that, that do really, like, I, I was that weird kid that loved math. Um, so I, you know, all the way up to calculus and trig and everything. And, but, and, but unless you're like already really super engaged in a subject, it, you know, you really love it. If, as soon as you mention that word, kids are going to shut down. They're going to shut down because they're thinking textbooks, classroom, tests, pressure. Okay, so it right. is pressure part of it that they feel like pressure is part of it. They're they're there's schools are all about competition. It's all about um, it's all about measuring yourself against the other people in your class. You know who's got the best grades. The whole system is competition and measurement and pressure. And you know if they don't do well on a test, well, you know. And the other thing, too, one of the benefits to homeschooling, whether you're unschooling or, or, you know, when you're homeschooling, when a kid starts to learn something, they can learn it to mastery. When a kid is in school and they take pre-algebra and they get a C, that means there's about 25 percent, you know, it's average grade, right? 75, 25. That means there's 25 percent of the material they did not understand. But C's a passing grade, they get passed to algebra. Algebra okay. is going to be more of a struggle because the fundamental things they needed to understand in pre-algebra, they didn't get, right? They never understood it. So algebra becomes a bit more of a struggle. They learn a little bit and maybe they struggle through and they get another C, but that's 25% of what of, of missing stuff. And then they go on to algebra two, which is required in most states. And they're, and you know, by now they absolutely abhor it. There's so much pressure. There's so much they don't understand. 
it, mm. it just it just snowballs. And if they don't understand the way that the teacher's teaching them, then they don't get it. Well, like, right. So, and if, if you don't have a love for math, just studying math is not the way to learn math. You know what I'm saying? Right. If you don't, if you don't have a love for it, if you don't have a love for chemistry, cracking a book on chemistry or taking a course on chemistry isn't going to, isn't going to do much for you. And not everybody needs to know chemistry. Not everybody needs to know algebra two level math, right? Right. I didn't take any they of those classes. They need to know finances. They need to know taxes. They need to know how to count their change. And I can tell you, I've had several, you know, I used to run a coffee shop and the kids coming out of school could not count change to save their lives. You know, they, they need skills that they're literally not getting because they're so focused on teaching algebra that they're not getting the stuff that they really need. So there's that. Well, I think that that's such an important component because it it gets to the same thing. I hate school and then they hate school. They learn to hate work. And right. all of these things exactly. are supposed to be like fruitful we're, we're enjoying it we're getting something out of it and we get excited like look what I can do yeah where when it is and I I was not I wanted to what was it I guess my junior senior year in high school I wanted to take it an internship that I could work half day and go to school and back then it's my my mother's like that's not going to work because you're not going to get into college and I was like well I really don't want to go to college so we still have that mindset even though even though kids come out of school saddled with debt and never get a job that's ever going to make a $500 student loan payment a month I mean why 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 do that (laughs) yeah there's there's always something running in the background that's really creating you know who's profiting from kids having labels who profits from kids not knowing what their strengths are like the, someone has to profit, and, and, I, and I seriously mean like dollar-wise. Someone is gaining something with this, and I don't know what it is because it's been broken for a long time. And when I love when you said that you start with their strengths. I am a big believer. You know, I managed, you know, I had 3,000 people under my uh, jurisdiction as an executive, and I, I wanted them to be placed in a job that they were using their strengths, their gifts, their talents, that they were not struggling, that they were actually performing well. And we had a very engaged workforce because we worked on that basis of what are you good at and let's build a career around that rather than what did you test well at, go get a career out of that. That one has nothing to do with the other. And just because it's interesting to read about doesn't mean it's interesting to have a career about. So what have you seen with this new model that you've created? What are some of the benefits that are coming out for the kids? Well, what I do is I help parents let go and let their child direct their own learning. So it's unschooling or self-directed learning. We actually have our school program is more of a coaching program, and we help the students find things that they're interested in and encourage that. And, um, you know, we coach them through it. We don't, we don't, and guide them and we help them with mentors and stuff, but we don't say, 
hey, you've got to learn English or you've got to learn math or you've got to learn this or that. Um, what, what we find is the kids, for instance, I have a student right now who's developed a board game and he actually came to us for our summer camp last year. And he had this board game idea that he had started with. And so we taught him, um, you know, it's an entrepreneurial summer camp. So we teach about entrepreneurial thinking and um, and then a lot of the entrepreneurial score skills and things you have to think about for a business. So he continued with us into our school program. And in this process, he's learning so much. He's getting ready to launch a Kickstarter campaign for it. Um, but he's had to learn how to communicate with manufacturers. He's had to come up with um, diagrams of the parts for the manufacturers with measurements, um, how many pieces he would need. There's a lot of math involved because, you know, you've got all these parts and pieces to it, the cards and the game components and the chips and the this and the that. You know, he's had to keep spreadsheets. He's had to work through the pricing, work with the manufacturers on the pricing, figure out how much get each game is going to cost, figure out on his Kickstarter campaign, how much to have the levels at in order to, to make up the cost. So once you start down a path, it always involves everything, right? Right. It, it always involves when you when you start a business or when you you know, if there is something that you're interested in, engaged in, it's going to involve all of these other skills that you're going to need to have in order to be successful in life. And it's it's in a practical way and it's a way they can deep dive into it and it's all tied together and they're not going, why am I learning the cosine of a, you know, <laughs> they're they're actually, you know, if they're in, if they if they're interested in architecture, they're gonna learn some pretty heavy mass, right? If they're and the interesting thing too is you know, parents panic. They're like, well, how, you know, how's my child going to learn what he needs? How's he going to learn algebra? That's always the first thing that pops up. Well, how are they going to learn that math? Well, they're going to learn it by doing. And if you know what, and if they don't need it while they're doing it, they're not going to learn it. And is that okay? Yes. Because how many of us use that stuff we learned in high school in our day-to-day -day lives? Or even in college. So, you know, e either one. Right. It's just that you we, don't we keep on getting taught the same as my granddaughter. I keep on be, being taught the same exact thing over and over again. Tell me why I need to learn this. Right. And sometimes you, you feel like these kids are being, you know, obstinate or they're, you know, just bucking the system. They're being lazy right. or whatever. And it's like, no. Uh, and I, I get that because I have a hard time moving forward if I don't understand why. Tell me why I need to learn this. And I did not take chemistry. I did not take physics, calculus, trigonometry. Ended up having a pretty, you know, successful life. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. So I, you know, I have my own college story. I I <laughs> I did very poor in high school because I was bored to tears. Mm -hmm. And um, and I hated it. I did not want to be there. And the only reason I actually went was because my home life was so bad that high school was the better place to be. So um, you know, it was just one of those things, but I did not get into it. I didn't care. I fell in love with math because I had a phenomenal teacher and I got it. It clicked. So I took every math class I could get. And um, 
all of the rest of the classes I couldn't care, I couldn't care less about. So I did, you know, I, some of them I enjoyed a little bit and I got okay grades, but for the most part, math saved me. And I ended up graduating with a, like a 2.75 average or something. I didn't care. I didn't care. And um, everybody else was going to college because, you know, back in the eighties, you went to college, right? It was required every job on the planet. And uh, I wanted to study marine biology. And so I picked a college that had a phenomenal marine biology program. I had a 2.75 average. The counselor was like, don't even bother applying. My dad was like, please don't apply because we don't have the money to send you. It was a private school to begin to, to boot. So I applied because everybody else was applying. I sent one application to one school that I liked. And of course I got rejected, right? They, they were like, no. <laughs> but but they ended their rejection letter with a with a little thing that said, you know, if you know, if you want us to reconsider, write back. And I don't know what possessed me because I was so insecure back then. But I wrote back and I said, look, this is why I want to be in your program. I know my grades aren't great, but I hated school. It was so not interesting. But I'm very interested in this. And I just so I wrote back and I just poured out my heart. And um, and I didn't hear anything all summer and I didn't expect to, to be honest. And then all of a sudden, one day a letter came from the college and they accepted me. They accepted me on a probationary basis. And it was a it was a massive financial struggle for my parents because back then it was like twenty five thousand dollars a year. Wow. So expensive. And um, but I went and I'll tell you that there's a lot of different directions I could take this story. But the one thing I wanted to point out was I didn't have the writing skills. I didn't have I had math, but, you know, math is something you need in marine biology and oceanography, but not it wasn't the core. I didn't do well in my biology classes. I didn't have any of the skills. And this is why they didn't. This is why they turned me down. So the very first thing I had to do when I got there, and I had a passion and I wanted to be there, the very first thing I had to do was take the basic remedial writing class. There's three levels. I had to start at one. And I, you know what? I took the one. I fell in love with it. The teacher was phenomenal. And at the end of it, he goes, you're a phenomenal writer. You should test out of the other two and see if you can just skip them. And I did. I tested out. Everything I needed for college, I learned because I wanted to be in college. I didn't learn in high school. And I see that over and over and over and over and over again with kids that are unschooled. When they have a passion for something, they're going to do what they need to do to get there. What and does unschooled mean? <laughs> unschooled is, is self-directed learning. It's where you are not telling your child to get up at a certain time, to do things at a certain time, to study math, to study out, you know, algebra or geometry or whatever. You're letting them do what they want to do. And at first, that is terrifying, which is what I went through when my dad took over. <laughs> it was terrifying. And I didn't realize what what was what where I was going with this. But that year broke me. And when I saw what my kids did, when I let go of the curriculum and let go of controlling their minds, 
let go of all of those expectations and notes about what's required and how they're going to be a failure. When I let go of all of that, they really shined. And way back when, when I started that process, I was telling a friend of mine, and she's like, oh, of course, your kids would go all academic. Like, I don't know what that means, you know? I'm like, but as I've done this year after year after year and helped other people and watched other people and talked to so many unschoolers, um, there's, it's when you let them pursue their education, they're going to, they're going to find a spark. And our job as their parent or their coach or their leader or their guide is to, is to watch for that spark. You know, I take them places. I do things. We go to museums, we take trips, we hike, we go to the beach, we do whatever. There's a spark. Ooh, there's an interest there. So then you fan that you take them other places that fan that fire. You give them books, you do whatever. Um, and you fan the fire and then you let that fire rage. I mean, they'll, the kids will take off with something and they'll go down the rabbit hole with it and they will learn so much in the process and then it might burn out and they're going to jump on something else. And that's okay. Cause at what point in your life do you want your kid trying all the different things that may interest them so they can figure out what's really going to be the thing that they go for versus sending them to college without a clue and spending a ton of money for a kid that's probably going to drop out or get a job, a degree in something that doesn't light their fire, right? Well, well, part of it is even when I think the numbers are around 20% of people who actually graduate with a degree are using that degree in their long-term career. Right? It's very low. And it's mm -hmm. like you learn things that you're never going to use and spend. And I, I'm in total agreement because the same way I would look for that spark in my employees, I would see what lit their fire. Right. They're saying, yeah, that's a good team. I said, no, I have a team that's doing what they were built to do. You know, right. who wants you to have a strength. bunch of people yeah. who you're constantly trying to teach them to do things they're not good at. I said, you could spend all day trying to get me to do math. And it's a waste of everybody's time and energy. I, but it's funny. They'll say, can you figure out the tip? Okay. I'm not the math person, but I can do basic math and get through. Like I, I know how to use it. I use statistics. I, you know, how to manage budgets and different things like that. But I love when I can see the spark in people. And that's yeah. why even, you know, watching as a career coach and go, saying, I'll go like rewind, go back to the story. Because the story really lit you up. Tell me yes. about the story. Yes. And when you can see that combination, I want to see people lit up. Because when you're lit up, I, I, I would, you know, go, when you're lit up, when you go home, you don't have to get lit. You don't have to drink. You don't have to sit and, you know, vegetate because you're all worn out from hating your job, from being bored. And I've done, when I would talk to people, you know, thousands of people that I've coached and taught, you know, with their careers and such, like what got you started? The majority of them say, I fell into it. It wasn't even like a plan. Right. trip and fell into their career. And some of them didn't know how to get out of it once they're in it. And who wants to have a society of people not being their best, not taking what God gave well, them and I mean, using it? 
sadly, that right there is the biggest thing that you learn in school. Other than the fact that you don't measure up, you learn how to go to your seven to three school job, even though you hate it because it's required and you have to go and you get on that bus or whatever. And then you graduate and you go into your nine to five job that you also hate, but you have to because you got to pay the bills, right? So we just create this mindset of just, That's painful. you know, school's painful, yeah. work is painful, right? We have to do it and then we can retire. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I think, yeah, like so figure it out life. the hard way. Yeah. We'll talk a little bit about your, your camp. And then I want to talk a little bit about these career conversation as well. So what, who should be applying to this camp? What, what do you do? Can do you have to be there or is it, you're doing it all online? It's a, it's a virtual camp. So we meet on Tuesday afternoons and we have um, a session where we talk about a facet of business or entrepreneurship. We start out with like mindset stuff mm -hmm. and then we work into more business type stuff and things that you got to think about if you're going to start a business or do a business, um, you know, including everything from business entities to um, you know, you've got to watch for taxes. Here's how, you know, different things that you have to keep in mind and handling your finances and tracking how much you spend on stuff and, and all that stuff. So we we run the gamut from mindset to more practical stuff with a business. Um, anybody, any kid can come in, even if they don't have an idea, because we can help them come up with an idea and they can develop. Then we help them develop that into um, a business for the you know for the summer it's either for for the summer program or something they may continue to work on like this one student we have that's still developing this game and looking to actually really launch it so um any student from 13 to to 19 okay. we take so when you're talking mindset, explain to the, the, the listeners what that means when you're saying we're, we're working on mindset first. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of things. Um, schools really kill curiosity and creativity. You know, you're in a situation where you're told to sit down, be quiet, read this, take this test, do that. There's there's no um, there's there's very little. Um, opportunity for kids to ask questions, to explore ideas, to 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 really develop and encourage that that creativity and that curiosity and asking the right. questions. And so, what we do at the beginning is we we help the kids. You know, with you would talk about their strengths. We talk about, and we even do a strengths test, and we and how they can use that um, to 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 have success in this endeavor or any endeavor. Um, so we talk about strengths, we talk about mindset, being positive, um, you know, just keep moving forward, taking small steps, breaking things up, reverse engineering. So if this is what you want at the end, if this is what you want it to look like, what are this, you know, let's reverse engineer that. So we know what steps to take throughout the process in order to get to this end picture. 
right? So that's the kind of stuff that we start them thinking about in the summer camp. And then for our full school year program, we really get into all that. I like how they, you know, you're talking about career conversations because they say they do it, but again, it's very siloed and you don't realize that your, your job has, it's so multifaceted. So what are some of those career conversations focused on? So the career conversations is a new program that we're launching. Um, and what we're, what we've been doing for our students is when they have a little interest in something, we bring somebody on that's doing that, whether it's their career or an experience that they've had. And they talk to the kids, they, they, uh, they share how they got started, the strengths that they have that really make them excel in that particular career business experience. Um, and then the kids get to ask a lot of questions. So, you know, we had a lot of kids are like, oh, I want to get into game testing. So I had um, a friend of mine, actually, a, a, her daughter started a business doing, she's a programmer, doing um, game programming on one side of the business and game development on the other. And she started it in her home and she's gotten so big. She's got like seven or eight employees now and they've had to rent retail space and or, um, you know, office space. And so her and her partner, one runs the programming side, one runs the testing side, came on. And they literally just bantered back and forth about how they got into the business and just, you know, and the kids were so fascinated by it. And then they get to ask questions and think about, you know, is this something I'm really interested in? And so I thought this is something I can offer to the entire homeschool community. I did that when I had my farm school too. So when we had specific programs that I thought would make great opportunities for anybody in the homeschool, I would I would subdivide those into a particular class and we would meet certain days of the week. Like we were turning a shed into a tiny house. <laughs> so I put that into the, I put that out to the homeschool community. I had like, I don't know, 12 or 15 students at once come in and we were all building, studying out the shed, running plumbing, running electricity, designing it. Um, and so that I have that kind of mentality where if I have something that could be bigger that right. I can share with the community, I'm going to share it with the community. So I figure I'm going to reach out to the homeschool community and just the groups that I'm in and just see if anybody's interested. I got like a list of 50 career topics from just a few group postings. So I thought, well, this could get really big and, and we do right. everything on a discord server. So I'm putting together this program now and I've got the, the forms on the website. So folks can come if they're, if they're a kid, they can come and put in their suggestion and get on the mailing list with parents permission. It's on the form. Um, so that they are aware of when we're doing the sessions and what the schedule and stuff is going to be. And then Anybody out there, because you've got all these parents and all these people in these homeschool groups and other groups that have these careers and have these experiences. So if they want to share with the kids and come on a show and, and share, there's a form for them to fill out on that web, on the website. Um, and then we can engage them and schedule them. And what we're going to do is we're going to start a podcast and we'll use the career conversations and post it to YouTube and post it as a podcast so that people can listen to the replays and it can um, reach even more. I love that because it's just, if you can 
it can make or break someone's life. I really believe by the career that they're in. And even when I was recently coaching a, a recent college graduate, and he said all the focus was on getting a job. No one's ever teaching us how to design a career. So we had right. this conversation about designing your career. What do you want it to look like? What's that ideal career look like? You know, what right. what would be the components they don't of it? They have that power. Yeah, because they're you, not empowered in school. Right. Right. To, to actually design something. And when they, right. they they get they think very much in the box. And when I could work with them and say, let's tear that word apart, because that word is something that I think that is a powerful and important word to you, but it's repugnant right now. Let's change it. Let's change what it can be mm-hmm. because, you know, he, he wants to do something, but that word that how, how it's been depicted has really, you know, stopped him. And I just, there's just, we have a generation that we're going to lose. We're going to lose them. We're going to lose yeah. them. And we are when, losing them. Right. Well, I, yes, we, we are. So Terry, how do they uh, get in touch with you? But the first, before we get into that, I want to go over this list of things that you did share with me and I'll put this in the show notes. So, you know, some tips that you have given to parents really how to help them when they see that their kids are struggling right now or resenting church, uh, not church, school, resenting yeah. school. They can be resent both of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, you said number one was to, to listen. So to listen. Talk- so I hear it over and over and again, like I'm in a lot of like moms of teen groups and stuff like that. And there's two, there's two channels that keep popping up two themes. One is my kids got awful and I, I, I can't stand them and they can't stand me. And the other one is school, school sucks. My kid sucks. Everything sucks. <laughs> right. But um, on both sides of the camp, the very first thing is, if you have like this authoritarian um, relationship with your child and you don't trust them and you won't, and you don't really listen to them because what you say is important and not what they feel or say, and you're, you're fighting over school. So I really focus on the folks that are really at angst with their kids. Like I was over curriculum, our whole lives were miserable because we were fighting school all the time. And so if 80 or 90% of your arguments are about school, about homework, about the teachers, about, you know, anything, anything that relates to school, not getting up in the morning to get there on time, right? Anything. Um, that's where I really, that's my strength. That's where I really excel. And one of the, the very first thing that I recommend folks start doing, like <laughs> when things got really bad with my daughter, uh, somebody recommended a book. And it was by Kevin Lemon. I think, I don't know how you pronounce it. It's L-E-M-A-N, Lemon, I think. I know who Lehman. he is. Lehman. Uh, it's called, yeah, Lehman. So it's called Have a New Kid by Friday. Yes, that is so bizarre. I This is the absolute truth. I just sent his video series to my uh, daughter-in-law. I am telling you what, little tiny book, very easy read, very hard to implement. It was all about me. So the title should be like, have a new mom by Friday, but it's have a new kid by Friday. And what I learned in reading that was I was the problem. 
not the kid, right? So I I love to like, just tell people the same thing that Kevin says, you know, listen, don't take any, I took everything she said personal. It sure sounded personal. That's what everybody's like. It is personal. You know, no, it actually (laughs) isn't. I know it sounds personal, but it's not. When I stopped taking what she said personally and I stopped reacting, it went from like up here to down here. (laughs) When I started turning around and walking away, which is his number one thing, turn around and walk away, down a few more notches. Don't engage (laughs) until they're talking. Don't engage until they're talking calmly. It was so bad with my with mine. I was actually looking for one of those places, those reform schools that you could send them to where they make them camp outside until they behave. And it's so funny because I had I train horses. And I know that it's the person's relationship with the horse that causes all of the problems. Right. You can train a horse and hand it right back to the same person and they're going to do the same stuff. You've got to train the people. And I know that, but I did not apply that to my child, right? So, yeah, so I love that book. I highly recommend it. So, like, oh all of gosh. those things. And then when when everybody calms down and they come back and you can have an actual conversation and you can listen to what they're saying and trust them. I know it's hard I, to trust a teenager because you know they're going to make mistakes, but you know what? That's how we learn. Like, if we don't let them make mistakes. Absolutely. Right. So I was talking to my youngest granddaughter. I don't know why we were trying to spell the, the word croissant because I think you're spelling it wrong. She's in third grade. I said, you know, the best thing about learning to, to do something wrong is like you remember better than when you do it right. So yes. all those things that you get that you remember for a test, you forget later. But the things that you got wrong, you tend to retain. <laughs> so like making mistakes is a great teaching tool it can be very frustrating to watch anybody fail but it is it is what we need to so I love how you said the number two was focus focus on what is working like what are they doing right what what do they do well and pay well, you, attention you, to you, them. you can see that in school so you have those kids that are really excelling in one class like I did and they did horribly in these in the other classes like to the point where in one class they're like acting out and they're in trouble, right? So they focus on the bad stuff. It's like, why are you acting out? Well, they're not gonna be able to tell you why they're acting out. So take a look at why aren't they acting out over here? What is the difference between the relationship with this teacher and the student mm-hmm. and this teacher and the student? And that's where you're gonna find the problem. 90% of the time, it's the teacher. Not that they're bad teachers, but some of them are, but it's that they're not a good fit. How they're right. being talked to. It's how, you know, so if you look where things are going well and you can apply what's going well and how things are working well to areas where they're not, you're setting them up for better success. And if you well, can that's help even with child, yeah. I I did that with the people when I did recruiting. I, I knew. I would learn about their personality and then say, I'm going to pick the perfect supervisor for you. And I would, 
that they I knew if someone needed more nurturing, if someone was very direct and they were okay with that, just leave me alone, let me get to work. Mm -hmm. And when you can make that that match, because it's almost right. like we're, we're someone's making this long term match for nine months out of the year, and it could be disastrous because you know we all have our biases and teachers. I don't like that they do this or say that or. You know, I, I like students who do life this way and it doesn't work. It, it, you can't have a one size fits all for anybody that the biggest no. lie we've ever created. Right. So which is I love that. System. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's another thing I recommend is you just start really watching and, and mm -hmm. listening to your child because they're going to tell you, too. You know, well, why aren't you doing as good in this class as you are in that class? I mean, they'll tell you some of it, but some of it you can just see by observing. Or, you know, so, yeah, I'm I'm really strong on strength-based. I have a whole other story about that because I was actually getting an education degree. So while I was struggling with how to educate my children that were very different, because it turns out both of mine are autistic. So, and one's dyslexic. And, um, and so while I was struggling with how to educate them so that they would be ready, right. I was also working on um, getting a teaching degree. And um, the more teaching class, I had, I had all kinds of other degrees. I rolled into this teaching degree and I had a whole bunch of credits and you know, I still needed like 60 that were just for teaching. And so as I'm taking these teaching classes, they're every single one of them was about remediation, conformity, control, and remediation over and over and over and over again. And it was making me crazy, literally making me crazy. And at one point, I finally called my my um my my counselor down at the school and I said you got I got to get out of this because I am literally going to be the person on the bell tower like I am I am this is really making me insane it's making me angry it's making me insane and it it, it was so frustrating because we're literally teaching the teachers how to just control the situation like there's it's it's just I, bad it's bad. And this particular college, I expected something different because they think different. So he transferred me out. I got an interdisciplinary degree instead with a specialty in education and then fine arts because of some of the other stuff I rolled in. But um, so he transferred me out. And when he transferred me out, I, I only needed one more class to have the degree instead of like, you know, another year and a half. So the only class that I had to take was one that is required for every student at that university. It's called Strengths, Strengths, um, Strengths Quest or Strengths Based something. And I was like, oh, this will be interesting. So, you know, it's that one credit required class. You had to, I had to buy a book called um, Strengths Quest Strength or something. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Okay. Read that book. It's all about education and using strengths. In education, it was written by an educator for educators. I got on the phone. I'm like, hey, why is this not required in the education degree? And he's like, 
we can't use it in the education degree. I'm like, mm, why is the education degree the way that it is when you and I both know that that's not the way to do it? And he told me, he said, unfortunately, that is what is expected from an education degree and we have to comply. Yep. And I was like, this right here, they just start the box. And then all those teachers come out and they're so thoroughly five years of training. That's that's what they have. And and that strengths class, best class I've ever taken. And it <laughs> astounds me that they're not allowed, not allowed to use it in the education degree program. You, you and, want, uh, again, who profits from, from that happening? Who profits right, right. from all these kids <laughs> failing and not doing well? Like someone has to profit from it because the kids generally are not. So I can see and hear your passion, which is awesome, because <laughs> we do need an advocate in this space, both for the parents and for the children. Because I was the kid who didn't want to go to school. I quit school after, I quit college after one semester and said, I don't need to know any of these things. My husband right. encouraged me to go back after I had three children and I got my bachelor's degree. And I can say most of it I didn't need to know. <laughs> right. And, and if they really looked at my strengths, so more writing, more communicating, those type of classes, that would have served me. You know, just conflict resolution. Everything I needed to learn, I was learning on the job doing it. Because you can exactly. have all these good theories. You can write a perfect paper, but then when you have a crazy employee and a crazy manager in front of you, uh, you can't write a paper about it. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's just practical. I'm about practical learning, getting your hands dirty, figuring it out, failing, learning to enjoy the process of learning, and that includes failing, and it's all good. It's all yes, good. absolutely. So why does... AirPod doesn't want to stay in. So any last words you want to give to our listeners today? Um, I, I just highly recommend if anybody is, str is struggling with their kid who is struggling in school, whether it's anxiety or, you know, frustration, boredom, wish they were somewhere else, they really don't need to be there. My own personal feeling is those last four years are the biggest waste of time. There is so much more that teenagers could be doing with that time. That's going to be so much more beneficial to them in life, in career, and even if they want to go to college. Unschoolers and self-directed learners don't have any problem getting into college at all. At all. Colleges love them. That's so even interesting. Even the Ivy Leagues. Everybody's like, oh, how are they going to get to college? Oh, they'll get there. Trust me. Well, I think that they, that when they have the spelling bees, you know, the big spelling bees, and they're like, oh, man, another homeschooler wanted to get. Right? <laughs> they're <so laughs> Like, what are they doing? You know, and, and this is the thing. Find out. With any other situation, we're finding out what works and trying to replicate that. And here it's like, we know what fails and we keep on replicating the failures or, or making it worse, like adding to it. Okay. The testing's not working. Let's add more testing. Oh, you know, they're not prepared. Let's start them at pre-K. Now we're forcing them at pre-K kindergarten. We're taking away recess and we're adding standards of learning tests for kindergartners. 
Go you know what? Up until seven, eight years old, that child should be playing. Right. They shouldn't be learning. They shouldn't be doing worksheets. They shouldn't be trying to write, keep up. But no, no, just play. They should just yeah. be playing. If they got to play, they it, it's just such a better foundation. Well, I can see even my youngest granddaughter, she's three. And she has excellent writing skills. Like she writes these stories. She loves to create things. She wants to start her own business building bracelets and, and whatever. And she's good. That's so great. Yeah, but they're, you know, she's struggling in school. Because they'll say, and even in third grade, like, it's not that exciting. I'd rather have a conversation with my friend and, you know, mm -hmm. chit chat about that. And when you can see how delighted kids are to be out there playing and learning and giving them something that they're playing with Legos or they're, they're building things, it's, it's such a different child than one that you're just yeah. sitting for hours and hours and just, you know, my, my sister would have this, that it's like they're poured in their information yeah. poured in and then it's pulled out and then it like drops into the trash can because right? they can't, That's it. they don't know what to do with it. Yeah. So, uh, I think we're, we're in alignment and agreement with some of the things yeah. that need to be changed. And I always said from an employer standpoint, I needed to I needed to teach them what the colleges and high schools weren't teaching them. And that's how to work, how to resolve problems, how well, to Well, and that's a huge thing. I mean, the 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 corporate world and the military and everybody is all they're all screaming the same story. They right. literally hundreds of millions of dollars are being spent teaching new employees how to do things they should be learning. And they should already know. Right. They should have learned in college. And at this point, one time. in three kids is illiterate. Mm. Either actually illiterate or functionally illiterate, meaning they can read, but they don't understand what they're reading. One in three kids. Well, it's like they can say the words, but they don't know what those right. words mean. There's one no in comprehension. Three kids. The, right. more, the more testing we add, the more pressure they have to conform, the worse it gets. Mm. and the well, more I'm, and the higher the teenage suicide and the higher the drug use and the higher the escaping and numbing you know a lot of the device issues i have a friend who's who um, helps parents with their screen time issues a lot of the device issues are numbing it's just a it's just a way to escape and numb themselves from you know basically the horrors of their life you know just the, the boredom the boredom of their life extreme yeah. boredom and frustration and anxiety and you know everything else so okay. yeah well this is very educational for me terry so i really do thank you for championing this and being a success story showing what these kids can do by trusting them and um i'll have to put that book that is just that made me laugh so hard that i found <laughs> this book yesterday <laughs> That and I'm funny. looking to say, I've heard him before on a focus on the family. And then when you, <laughs> it was like the best well, $15 okay. I've ever spent. <laughs> okay. We're, we're cool. I'm going to send copies. To <laughs> well, thank you so much. And I will have everything in the show notes. So if people want to get in touch with you and learn more about your, the, the Astrolabe uh, school and just see what, what kids can do. I love it. I love it. But thanks so much. Well, thank you so much. It's been it's been fun talking to you. 
Thank you so much for pulling into the Hope Station. Wasn't that a great episode? My hope is that this episode brought you hope. Do you want to be a hope giver? I hope so. And how you can do that is to share this podcast, post the episode on social media, write a review or rate the podcast. This helps engagement and boost the podcast out to other listeners in need of hope. So thank you. Thank you for participating. Thank you for helping. Thank you for being a valued listener. And my hope is that you have a great week.